Good morning and welcome to Talking Money. So glad you're with us. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host. And so glad if you're the first time listener, you'll you'll uh, rec- recognize, I think, and realize very shortly that uh, we are not a sales program. So Talking Money is the, we call it the answers you need without the sales pitch. As we get plenty of sales pitches all along, and sometimes those sales pitches aren't legitimate. And sometimes the scams we know are not legitimate. So I had a conversation with someone a week uh, just earlier this week, and um, her son was um, succumbed to a scam that looked like it was from Amazon. So he got an email from Amazon. You know, these things look very real, and they they copied the logos. As a matter of fact, there was even uh, a little more egregious because they knew transactions. They actually had scammed or hacked into his system somehow and knew some of those transactions. And and so they were asking him and telling him he needed to do certain things to get his account up to speed, up to date, and so forth. So they said he needed to buy some gift cards and go get those gift cards, charge them, and then call them back and give them the numbers on the gift cards and so forth. And uh, and he did it. He was scared to death. He even uh, talked to his mom, and his mom uh, used her credit card as well, too, because they were looking for about five grand, and they... And, and she used some of her money as well. And, uh, and it was just one of those things that, that if, you, if you think through it and, and take your time and realize that Amazon's never going to do that and then especially not going to ask you to buy a gift card and give them the number over the phone, that's just not going to happen. That's a huge, huge red flag. But there's so many smart people that I've seen over the years that have succumbed to these kinds of things because they seem so real. Um, I mean, we've almost succumbed to them a couple of times. We looked at them and said, oh, wait a minute, this is this is not right. And comes from the bank. Now, the dead giveaway is when you get something from a bank like Wells Fargo and you don't have a Wells Fargo bank account. Obviously, that's a scam. You know that is. But the, apparently, they send it to, they just blast those things out. And the few that have one that respond to them, they apparently make enough money on it. And they're so smart. So please don't ever be, embarrassed about succumbing to these things but because that's their full-time job is figuring out how to make it look so real that that you will fall for it and so it's easy to do that so anytime somebody is asking for you for to buy a, a gift card for the payment don't do it if, if if you do anything call the police right then before you respond to it so they can have a chance to follow through by the time i was involved in this situation calling the police would have been a moot point because there wasn't anything they could do these people are are good at making their requests, getting their scam, and then getting off and switching to a different IP address, different phone numbers, different everything, and you just can't trace them when they do that. So you just got to be so careful and not to give any kind of personal information. Your best bet is you get any kind of thing like that that looks very legitimate and you think it might be, then hang up, call the company that on the numbers that you have on the back of your credit card or on your statements or something where you know it's a legitimate number. Don't use the phone number they have because they could be using a phone number that, that they answer and they can say it's legit. Go find the number from your normal sources and call them and find out what's going on. And I think 10 times out of 10, you're going to find out that it was not them. It was a scam. And they're not doing that, especially even with the IRS. People say, I'm getting calls it's, it's for my stimulus payment. They're saying, I have a way for you to get your stimulus payment uh, faster. And then you end up, of course, not getting any of your stimulus payment. They get the stimulus payment instead of you. IRS doesn't do that. So, the, and, and really, the IRS is not, I probably should say, they're not that sophisticated. 
they they do things by mail. You get things by mail all the time. I don't get emails from the IRS. You get you get mail from them, or you have phone calls and so forth from them, and it makes it much uh, safer to do that. But there's so many smart people out there that if they would really use their ingenuity and their skills for an honest living, would probably do real well. And why they do it for scams, you know, who knows? We don't know that. So today I've got several questions we're going to answer from some listeners talking about Roth IRAs and so forth. And we're going to start talking about um, retirement. Are you emotionally re- ready for retire? Even talking about some of the things you do in retirement. There was a great article in the Wall Street Journal that went over this uh, just a week or so ago that I, that I think was some great points that I want to cover for you. But I've got a story I want to read to you that my daughter uh, Jennifer posted on her Facebook. She got it from somebody else. She reposted it, but I thought really appropriate for a, a conversation about retiring. So the story goes like this. Charles, a new retiree greeter at Walmart, just couldn't seem to get to work on time. Every day he was 5, 10, 15 minutes late, but he was a good worker, really tidy, clean-shaven, sharp-minded, and a real credit to the company and obviously demonstrating their older person-friendly policies. One day, the boss called him into the office for a talk. Charles, I have to tell you, I like your work ethic. You do a bang-up job when you finally get here, but your being late so often is quite bothersome. Yes, sir, I know, and I'm working on it. Well, good. You are a team player. That's what I like to hear. Yes, sir, I understand your concern, and I'll try harder. Seeming puzzled, the manager went on to comment, It's odd, though, you're coming in late. I know you're retired from the Air Forces. What did they say to you there if you showed up in the morning so late and so often? The old man looked down at the floor, then smiled. He chuckled quietly, then said with a grin, They usually saluted and said, Good morning, General. Can I get your coffee, sir? So anyway, keep in perspective. I mean, if you're the general, you did whatever you wanted to when you wanted to. It didn't matter. But, uh, you know, working for Walmart, it's it's a little different like that. Nobody salutes to you anymore at uh, at Walmart, at least not that I'm aware of. Okay, so a question for you. Uh, we had a question from Carl. He said, several guys at the office are suggesting you take all IRA and 401k money and convert to a Roth IRA due to the threat of rising tax rates. Do you think this is a good idea? I've gotten a number of these questions over the over the really the last several months uh, since President Biden took over, and there's talking talk more talk about uh, rising rates and so forth. You know, should you do that? Well, I've gotten several listeners asking about that. This one I thought was particularly interesting because I happen to be going back through some of my old notes, and I found this question from 2009. This is Carl from 2009. Now, I've gotten some more updated questions on that than that, but I thought this is interesting. How we think in perspective with tax rates. So even in 2009, there was a threat of rising tax rates. Did they go up? No, they went down. So so a lot of the the advisors, and I'll put those in quotes, that have been trying to get people to to convert money over, or some people that just did it on their own, converting from the regular traditional IRA to a Roth and including that in taxable income, you don't have to worry about a penalty, but you have to pay taxes. You have to include it as taxable income. And typically that puts you, if you're not careful, it's going to put you in a higher tax bracket. Your marginal tax bracket is going to be higher. So you're going to pay higher taxes. And then you might have, if you'd left it in the IRA and then taken it out later in retirement, and we're in a lower tax bracket already. There's got to be some real game plan. Now, of course, if tax rates do go up between that time you converted, 
and the time you take it out. So they instead of being where they are at, at, at the time, that was 15%, 12% now, and it, later on, maybe they go up to 15 or 20%, then, then yes, that was not have been a, it was a good idea to convert because now you're going to be taking the money out later. But the odds of the lower rates changing are not as high as the higher rates changing. So, and most people listening to me today are going to be in that 12% tax bracket. Now, what's the 12% tax bracket? That's your marginal bracket, which means the last dollars that you earn or that are taxable income are taxed at this rate. So the rate's going to go from zero, of course, to 10, to 12, to 22. So if you're married and file your tax return jointly with your spouse, you can make a taxable income of $81,050 in 2021. So we're not talking about 2020, which some of you still haven't filled out your tax return for 2020. We're talking about 2021. So the current year, you have taxable income of 81,050. So that means your total income was actually higher than that because you got to add the 25,100 standard deduction on top of that 81,050 before you actually have to worry about the next tax bracket because everyone has at least a standard deduction. If your itemized deductions are even higher than that, or it, and if you're 65 or older, so you get an extra 1,350 for each person that's over 65, 1,700 if you're single, it's even higher than that. So you have to make that kind of money, which most people don't even, even those that are worth multi-millions in retirement don't necessarily make that kind of taxable income each year then you're going to be in that 12% bracket. So if, you, if you're if you at that limit and then convert to a Roth IRA, so you're going to add that income to whatever income you regularly pay taxes on to find out what your actual marginal tax bracket is. All right, so it gets kind of interesting. We're going to talk more about all the Roth conversion things and some of the things you have to be careful with, a little bit about the qualified charitable distribution as well. And of course, we'll end up getting into some of these questions about emotionally being ready to retire now we're going to be covering it this week and next week so we've got plenty of time i always say that but I always run out of time anyway so we've got this week and next week to do that we'll be back with a second part of talking money in just a couple of minutes ronald blue trust is pleased to sponsor talking money ronald blue trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage, and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And we're coming up at about 20 minutes after the hour here on Talking Money. This is Mike Miller, your host for today. We're talking about Roth IRAs, conversions, and that kind of thing, and a little bit about retirement planning later on in the show. You'd always send that question to mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. 
It's a simple email, mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. And of course, if you want to hear uh, other subjects that we've talked about in the past, we've got a, a massive library of recordings on that particular website, talkingmoneyradio.com. You can go on there and search for your topic and it'll come with however many we've talked about, sometimes one, sometimes 20, that whatever we talked about a particular topic and you can listen to it uh, and fast forward it, stop it and do whatever you want to with it. You can't do that while it's live. Of course, you can always turn it off, but it's um, it's not, it's not as, as simple to stop and start at the same time as you can as you're listening to uh, one of the podcasts. So we encourage you to do that and encourage you to ask uh, to, uh, to send in questions to that web address, mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. All right, so before the break, we were talking about the Roth conversion and how people are asking whether or not they should go ahead and convert their traditional IRA, taxable IRAs, and, and sometimes you can do your 401k, and convert them to a Roth IRA. Of course, the difference is when you take the money out of a traditional IRA, it's going to be taxable the year you take it out. Once you put it in the Roth IRA, you've already paid the taxes, and hopefully you also have enough other money to pay the taxes on that conversion the year that you do it so that you can put the full amount of money that you take out of the traditional IRA and put it into your Roth IRA. That's how you're going to maximize it. It's not necessary to do that, but it certainly, I think, works out a whole lot better when you can when you can do it that way. All right, so uh, you, you have to be thinking about what your tax bracket is now versus what it's going to be when you think you're going to take the money out. And that's one of the big questions we have because we don't know what the rates are going to be later on because we, we just don't know. So this question that was asked to me from Carl back in 2009, a couple of years after we started talking money, was talking about the threat of rising tax rates, and then and they went down. So all these people that have talked to you about taking it out to put it in Roth or taking out the money out of the traditional IRA and putting it into one of these life insurance policies to start tax-free uh, earnings there instead of doing it to a Roth, because you get the death benefit, and which is the added benefit to that is the death benefit, not not the amount of money you would get, but the death benefit because the amount of money your heirs would get. You're leveraging those dollars to to buy the insurance, but just for the fact that you have the Roth, the insurance cost, uh, same rate of return, you're not going to make as much money. You can't physically do that because you've got the cost of insurance. So it depends on what you're really trying to accomplish to determine which is your better way. But if you're trying to do it because you think my tax rates are going to be higher later, and then, of course, they went down over the last 10 years. They did not go up. So uh, you would have been better off waiting to a different year. You still always want to be careful how much you do in a particular year. You need to understand what your marginal tax bracket is. What I talked about before the break, that you can make up to $81,050 of taxable income before you go from the 12% bracket to the 22% bracket. And that's the biggest, other than going from 0 to 10, is the biggest gap in the tax brackets is between 12 and 24. So once you get above that $81,000 of taxable income, and just as a reminder, you have to add your standard deductions to that, which is 25100 if you are a below 65. If you're 65 or older, you get to add another 1350 for each person who's above that. So you're talking about over $100,000 in total income to get down to the 81000 of taxable income before you're going to get above that 12%. But let's say you have taxable income of 60000 So you've taken your deductions. Everything's gone back down. You're now at $60,000. Well, that gives you $21,000 of leeway that there's your cushion to say okay i can convert 
21000 of my traditional IRA to a Roth IRA and still only pay 12% on it. Now, if when you retire, you're still going to be in the 12% bracket if rates don't go up, well, you really haven't helped yourself then. You just paid the money early and you might have hurt yourself some because, you, of course, you didn't get to grow tax-deferred money. Uh, but So you need to understand if, if you were in the 22% bracket, so which means you're going to make somewhere between 81050 of taxable income up to 172000 roughly of taxable income. That's the 22% bracket. And then when you retire, you're actually going to drop down to that 12. Or even if it goes up to 15% by the time you retire, you're still better off not converting that to a Roth because you're going to go from a 22% bracket to a 12% bracket in retirement, which, of course, is a better deal. So it's not always a just no-brainer automatic decision to say, I'm going to drop, I'm going to convert my Roth, my traditional IRA to a Roth IRA. So be very careful about that. Another thing to remember, there's generally a window of opportunity that we look at with clients is between the year they retire, whatever that year is, 62, 65, 68, whatever it is, between now and now age 72, since they increased the age to where you have to take start taking required minimum distributions, from your IRA, 401k to age 72, you now have a, a bigger window. So from the time you retire and, and presumably your income drops and now you're on social security and maybe retirement income or taking money from your investments. But most people, your tax bracket reduces or at least it's gonna stay in that same one. You may already be in a 12% bracket. You'll stay in the 12% bracket, but you'll be be more solidly in the the 12% bracket so that you have a bigger window there between what your taxable income is and up to that $81,050 for 2021. So those are the years that you really want to do some planning to say, okay, how much can I take out between age 65 and 72, let's say? So I've got roughly seven years that I can take money, even though I don't need it, but there's that money I can take out of my traditional IRA, convert it to the Roth IRA, so that future taxes are not a consideration anymore, but I still did it to stay within my 12% bracket. So if it's 20,000 a year, and you know maybe you've got half a million in yours, so you, you may not make a big dent, but maybe you can take out $100,000 over a five-year period and take it out of your traditional IRA to your Roth IRA. And what that also do, does is give you some great flexibility later when you're doing planning for withdrawals you'll have an option of taking it out of your regular brokerage account or you'll be able to take it out of your IRA, your regular IRA, because once you get 72, you'll have to start taking money out, out of your traditional IRA and pay taxes on it. So that, that'll you'll be taking out from a, your required minimum distribution will be lower because you took some money out earlier. So you may still stay in that 12%, but if you need more money than that, you'll be able to take some out of your Roth IRA that you put in earlier and you only paid a 12% bracket. Now you'll be able to take some money out of the Roth later to keep you from going from the 12 to the 22% bracket in retirement. So there's a lot of a lot of moving parts here that you want to be able to take advantage of as you're planning. And of course, that's something we do with with all of our clients to, to try to do that planning on, on how the best to accumulate those assets to make sure we have multiple options and flexibility and on the withdrawals 
to make sure you're taking out in the most advantageous way possible. That's how we, we feel like that's how we're paying for our fee uh, to, to manage the assets and to work with the, uh, the taxes because of that. So take advantage of that window of opportunity. Another quick reminder, because it came up again this week when I was talking to a prospective client, is that if you are going to the year that you turn 70 and a half, whatever year that is, if you, whenever you're going to turn 70 and a half, if you're one that makes charitable gifts to your church, to other charities, to other ministries, if you do that, then you'll want to make sure that you wait in that year until you have turned seven and a half. Once you turn seven and a half, then you can start making, you can catch up on your contributions because at that time, you'll be able to take money as a qualified charitable distribution out of your IRA and do it tax-free, whether you itemize or not. So with the itemized deductions, the standard deduction is so high, a lot of people don't take any deductions anymore. Well, this is a way if you get money out of your IRA, take advantage of the contributions you're making once you're 70 and a half to, to get it out tax-free. And there's really no reason to not to do that. Everybody ought to be doing that with whatever contribution you make. Now, if it's just 50 bucks, maybe not, not so much that, but other money that you should. So we got a little more to talk about with uh, fixed annuities and in the IRAs and not paying income taxes from another question from Anna. We'll talk about that, of course, when we get back from the break. We'll be back with the second half of Talking Money in just a few minutes. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust as the sponsor of Talking Money. As a trust company with clients in all 50 states, Ronald Blue Trust can serve as trustee, backup trustee, or even personal representative, what we used to call the executor or executrix. This can be a valuable service, especially if you'd like to pass on your values and not just your valuables to your heirs. Your heirs will probably have one of two perspectives. Either they will say something like, what am I going to inherit? Which is usually the common perspective. Or they will ask, what is going to be entrusted to me? What talents will I be responsible to manage? Tim Kimmel, director of Family Matters, said it well. Quote, you can't leave character to your trust account. You can't write your values into the will. You can't bank traits like courage, honesty, and compassion in a safe deposit box. What we need is a plan a long-term strategy to convey our convictions to the next generation, unquote. Estate and trust planning are about much more than saving taxes or simply making sure your assets get transferred efficiently to your children. You can find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-PLAN. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And you're listening to Mike Miller. This is Talking Money. So glad you're with us. If you've got a question for me, you want to send that question to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com and get that question at a, on a future show. So another question that came in from Anna, she says she has a fixed annuity. It's qualified, which means it's a tax-deferred annuity, uh, not non-qualified, which means it, it could be part taxable and part non-taxable until you get your down to your original contribution, which would be tax-free coming in because you, when you do a non-qualified uh, annuity, then the money you put in there, you've already paid taxes on, so you get that money back tax-free. 
so the fixed news, she says, from when I worked for the hospital, can I give my required distribution to a charity and not pay taxes on it, not pay income taxes on it? So uh, yes and no. So if you are um, the 70 and a half, then you potentially can do a qualified charitable distribution depending on the custodian for that fixed annuity. Uh, but typically you can do that. But and everyone could take it out and say, I'm, I'm going to take my distribution and then I'm going to turn around and make a contribution to a charity. And as long as you can tax deduct it, which means your itemized deductions are more than your the standard deduction, which we talked about earlier, that 25,100 range, if you're less uh, uh, younger than 65 and married filing jointly, then, then yes, you'll be able to deduct it on top of that. But since the vast majority of people don't itemize deductions anymore, then you probably won't be able to take it. So you'll have to wait until you're seven and a half. So the next best thing to do before you reach a seven and a half would be to invest money, put it in mutual funds, stocks, something that appreciates and if you've got appreciated assets out there and you are giving that that are in an after-tax account they're in a brokerage type account not an ira if you've got assets like that that have gains in them you should be giving those assets to the the church or the charity that you want to give the money to don't give them cash and leave that alone so now if you are in the the 12% 12% bracket, which means you're not making a taxable income of more than $81,050 in 2021. If you're in that situation and you sell an asset that has a long-term capital gain and still stay under that 81000 number, then you'll pay zero income taxes on that long-term capital gain. People continually talk about that, and I know they forget about being able to do that. You should be maximizing that each year. So if you're investing money, in a non-qualified account, so this is a regular brokerage account, and you've got mutual funds or stocks in that account that have pretty good gains in them, then you should be giving those, you could sell those assets up to the point where you reach that 81,000 number for married filing jointly. And then and then the rest of it, you you don't, don't give it um, because you're not going to get a tax deduction for it. Of course, you give money without giving a tax deduction, but to maximize the taxes, you can do that or give the asset. Once you get above 81,005, don't sell the asset anymore. Now give it away. So you can still get your tax deduction and still maximize. Matter of fact, I would say you can give more to your church because you're saving the taxes on it. So gross it up and give more. And so you could give or whatever you're passionate about, whatever uh, charity you're passionate about. And some people, maybe it's Miracle Hill it's, or it's a combination of things. I think you should always give to your local church, but you should, uh, there's other ministries that, that do a great job that need your help as well. Give the asset directly instead of giving them cash. Use your cash to then go buy the same thing that you were buying. You don't have to worry about the, the wash sale rules because you're taking a gain. You only have to worry about the wash sale rules when you're taking a loss and you have to wait 31 days to buy it back. If you've got a gain, you're doing a gain, go ahead and buy that back again, which means now you've bought it and your basis is the higher number. It's You've essentially eliminated or stepped up your basis for when you eventually want to sell it. If you sell it for yourself or for your own benefit, it'll be a higher uh, tax base and you'll have lower taxes but you still didn't pay taxes on that earlier gain because you gave those assets away. And and if a church doesn't have that set up, you know, tell them to call me. We'll we'll set a, an account 
up. We have some churches we have those accounts set up for. We just do it as a favor for them. We set up, or they can go down to Schwab and set up an account and just have the money uh, sent, the, the assets sent to those accounts. They typically, we immediately sell the asset when it gets to the, the, the church's account and they can take it and they can use it for their current ministry needs. So it's a great win-win for everybody. You go ahead and buy the stocks that you had before and uh, it, and get that higher step up in basis for it. So it's some some good tax planning ideas as you uh, as you go forward each and each and every year. And those are things that we we want to work with with our clients every year to make sure you're maximizing you know, your opportunities, minimizing the taxes. We want to pay our fair share. But we won't want to pay anybody else's fair share. We don't want to pay our own fair share. And that's it. So for the rest of today and next week, I've got some other Roth IRA conversion questions we'll talk about next week as well, but I want to at least get kicked off on this article that I saw in the Wall Street Journal the next couple minutes for our first break and then for the rest of the hour. The, The article is entitled, Are You Emotionally Ready to Retire? Eight questions you should ask yourself. So, it's, of course, it's one of the most important decisions most of us will ever make is when are you going to retire? And and often people do get it wrong. We know of people who retired too early, they had to go back to work. They retired too late, and then six months later, they they passed away. And so they should have died. They should have died. They should have retired earlier. Of course, I guess if they died earlier, it would have made a difference. But anyway, so uh, so we're talking about retirement. So uh, Marianne Vanderveld is the one who wrote this article. So she talks about retirement, and specifically she wanted to talk about when to do it. So she says, many of us know friends who thought they were emotionally ready, but later regretted they ever have retired. And we know colleagues who thought they were not ready and then got sick or died young, uh, what I talked about earlier. So she says, uh, and this is a very interesting part of the article when I read it, She says, uh, after seeing hundreds of individuals and couples in psychotherapy over many years and writing a book on retirement, I believe that retirement timing mistakes can be the exception rather than the rule. So the first thing you you want to, the first thing that struck me is, okay, so all the people she is using as a uh, subject to test case in this article and book were those who were going to see psychotherapists. So, So, I mean... I think most of my clients aren't seeing psychotherapists <laughs> that, that we may not be relate, but they were good questions anyway. And I thought I wanted to cover them, but I thought, well, let's keep it in perspective. The, these are people that uh, thought they needed to see a psychotherapist. So maybe they had some issues <laughs> other than just trying to figure out when they're going to retire. So the first question she asked is uh, every Sunday night, the questions you should ask yourself. So every Sunday night, as I anticipate returning to work, do I look forward to finishing tasks seeing friends and colleagues, and perhaps learning something new? Or do I dread another week of tedious tasks and difficult people? All right, so you need a little soul searching, she says. But pay attention to your gut feeling, she says, at the end of the weekend or at the end of a vacation, and you'll know. So do I really want to come back? Do I really love what I'm doing? I really enjoy the people I'm working with. Uh, I enjoy the people I'm helping um, as part of my job, as part of my career. I really enjoy this. And and so, yes, I look forward to coming back. And, and, of course, just because you do that doesn't mean you shouldn't retire. But that certainly would mean if you aren't enjoying that, you should think about whether or not either you retire if you're old enough and you're financially independent. And, th- and that's another thing I always ask people. And people say about when, they, when they're going to retire. Well, I don't like to ask that question. I like to ask the question, when are you going to be financially independent so that you could retire if you wanted to? 
Because I've had clients over the year that told me, I want to retire at age whatever. I've had 62, 60, uh, earlier ages than that. When they got to that age, and they were financially able. So in doing their financial plan, we worked with them for 10 years, sometimes longer. And they said, yeah, I think we'll, we'll tell them, okay. Uh, and I'll mention Bill. He's long been deceased, but I'll, uh, Bill is one that comes to my mind. It said, okay, you know, I'm really not ready to retire. Uh, I want to keep working. I, I, I know I'm financially able to. And think about the difference in your attitude at work when you know you could retire if you wanted to. So when there are things come up that you are afraid to say or afraid to speak up, afraid to change, afraid to help because you think of uh, repercussions that might happen that you might get fired, well, you know, you don't care about that as much anymore because like, okay, you can fire me, but I'm financially independent. I don't care. So and what you're probably going to find out is when you start dealing with those issues and offering to help and making some suggestions that you think you might get fired for, you're going to find out that, wow, those suggestions are good. And somebody liked those suggestions and they started to make changes and you started to impact not only your own life, but your coworkers life. And they love you for having to make those, those suggestions. So there's a different whole mindset when you say, okay, I could retire if I wanted to versus I'm just going to pick a year and do it at that, at that point in time. So she says in the rest of this one question, she says one CEO she saw weekly from age 59 to 69. I can't imagine that. She saw a psychotherapist. He must have been some executive that had all kind of stress. He would tell you he loved his job, but he hated the angst he felt at the office every day, especially Mondays. Over time, he realized that he was hanging on to work as his refuge. And, and that was not a good thing. People were shocked when he announced his retirement at age 67 because they thought he had nothing else in his life. But he knew the decision was right for him. For the next two years, I saw him learn and grow and find other sources of happiness with his family. His stomach had told him what his mind was unable to see. So he, when he finally bit the bullet and made that move, he, it, obviously he was not happy. He told everybody, yes, I love my job. But he didn't really love his job. We'll be back with the last segment of Talking Money in just a couple of minutes. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage, and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. We're about 10 minutes here left in Talking Money. So glad you're with us. 877-235-9405. If you got a question, of course, at this late stage, you probably want to send your question to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. And especially if you're listening, of course, uh, on a podcast, 
you'll want to send that question there so we can get you at a future program. And I want to remind folks, I've said some things about psychotherapists and so forth. I'm certainly not trying to demean people that go there, uh, and especially those who just go to counselors. I don't know people that, I don't even know any psychotherapists, but there's, there's a lot of good therapists. I have one upstairs in our, in our office that works, and he does a lot of counseling with people. So going to a counselor, I understand that. It's these people do a great job, and the mental health professionals do a, a great job. We need more of them. I mean, we have a shortage of mental health professionals. So um, I'm not trying to demean the occupation or people that go there. Uh, I just was thought it was interesting that the all the people that she used for her study were all ones who, who were her patients, as opposed to broadening that range and, and, and finding some other people as well. But I think the things that she talks about are things that, that, that most people will deal with, whether you're going to see a counselor or a therapist or not. So I think these are questions you have to think through to, to see, are you, a, are you ready for retirement emotionally? And of course, are you ready financially? The second question she talks about in this article, have I thought carefully about my financial picture? What expenses am I prepared to cut if money becomes tight? And so you need to really be careful about that and say, okay, what happens if you retire and it's uh, something like the first of of 08, uh, the end of 08 or the first of 09 when we had the Great Recession and say, wow, okay, I, I need to have a period of time here where I'm not selling, I'm not spending so much money that I have to sell things that are currently down in price. And of course, that's why we think at Ronald Blue Trust that we think it's a great idea to have multiple buckets of, of money, targeted time-based type buckets. You'd say, okay, this money is the, the money I know I'll use for the next two, three, maybe five years. And it's something very conservative. I know it's not going to make much money. Maybe I'll lose out by not having it invested, but it's going to be a real big help if stock prices or my investments go down in price. Now, uh, you, you be careful that I that I using the word price, not value, because many times our our investments don't go down in value, but they do go down in price, and that's why it's so worth holding on to things that just go down in price because they haven't changed the value of the underlying investment, and that's why it'll go back up. The price will eventually go back up if the value hasn't changed. So when you have um, those kind of investments, then those are your investments that are 10 plus year investments that, okay, you should be less concerned and less stressed out and worried about the stock part of your portfolio that goes down 5, 10, 15, 20%. It doesn't mean you're going to like it. I mean, you're not going to like it. Nobody likes it to go down that much, but you should not be as concerned about it because you say, okay, I'm confident that over some period of time, it'll go back up. Even if I'm 80, 80 years old, doesn't matter. This is the money I'm not going to need for 10 years and probably never will need. We have many clients that their long-term investments, they'll never spend. And unless there's some severe emergency, they're never going to spend it. It's going to be for their children and grandchildren. So you don't worry about the fluctuations because you know long-term, that's still the best place to make money, historically has been. But I have other money that's not in the market, so I don't worry about it. I, I don't care about that stuff going down. I don't like it, but it, you know, it's not a bother because I know it's going to go down. And that's the mindset you have to have. So I know it's going to go down sometime. People ask me all the time, is is the market too high? Is, when's it going to go down? I talked about this last week. You can go back into TalkingMoneyRadio.com and, and hear what I said about that. But it, it it's a big question. Are we in a bubble? Is it going to go down and so forth? Well, I'm not going to worry about that as much. 
I want to keep some money set aside so if the bubble does burst and the prices do go down, I have some money available. I can actually buy some more, which is very hard for, for most people to do because there's always that fear it's going to go down more. So I'm never going to buy because it goes down. It's going to go down more. And then they miss out on it because by the time they think about buying it again, it's already gone back to higher than it was when it went down. And now they're, now it's too late to do that. But you want to think about your financial picture. So one of the biggest risks that we, that we will tell new clients is the biggest risk in retirement, especially early in retirement, is spending too much money early in retirement when the market is struggling or going down. That's one of the biggest risks people face. If you if you happen to retire, let's say last April, and you had your money in stock, boy, you're look, you're sitting pretty right now. If assuming it was in a, a well designed portfolio, the market's gone up enough. The part that was in the market should have gone up a lot in the last twelve months. I mean, a lot. So you'd be looking really good. You could sell some of that and gain and put it back into your short-term money so that the next time you need it, it'll be there. If the market goes down, that's all right. You've already taken some of your profits out, so you're sitting okay. Uh, I'm not going to worry about that. But you need to understand that the part that's in long-term investments is going to go down sometime. And I, I'm always amazed at people that they get so nervous and shocked when it goes down like they weren't expecting it. Well, I'm telling you, expect it. When is it going to happen? I don't know. How far is it going to go down? I don't know. How long will it stay down when it goes down? I don't know. And and I'll tell you what, nobody else does either. It's things that nobody knows. There's too many moving parts for somebody to be able to predict. Now you listen to the CNBC and some of the talking heads, uh, Fox Business, whatever. They they bring people on there that that make them sound like experts. And they know what's going to happen. And they and they would have good reasons as to why it's going to do whatever they think it's going to do. But nobody really knows what's going to happen on that. So being able to and and being debt-free, if possible, by retirement is one of the best ways to do that. If you have no debt, you don't have to worry about a house payment. You don't have to worry about a car payment. You don't have to worry about whatever. Then then your your uh, break-even point is a lot lower. So you could immediately start cutting some expenses and and still probably live the same way you've been living without maybe just not taking as many trips and things like that. But you're still able to function and maintain relatively your same lifestyle. And then when things go back up again, then you can start doing it again. Or if you had, like I said, a a bucket, a time-based bucket that said my short-term money for the next couple of years includes money that I'm going to use to take a trip, assuming you can due to COVID and all the other restrictions you might have. But assuming you can, you've got the money, you prepared for that. It's in your short-term bucket that didn't take a 5, 10, 15, 20% drop in the market. So you're going to be okay. So so you, you may even think about, okay, what expenses can I cut or would I be able to cut in the event of a downturn in the market, especially early in my retirement? That's, that's like I said, it's one of the biggest risks you make, you take is early retirement. What happens to the market? But there really aren't that many years when it happens that way. So you, you can look at March a year ago when things went down, but that was such a short downturn it was a nearly insignificant but if you go back to 08 if you go before that you go back to 2000 2001 2002 so seven eight years uh, the rest of the years are either you know, they're up really nicely or at least not not uh, up much they're they're maybe kind of flat but still the, that's better than having a 20 percent downturn for sure all right, so we're talking about these questions. Uh, we'll, we'll at least have a chance to talk about this one question next. The, her, the question number three out of the eight questions she had, what do my already retired friends, relatives, and colleagues think? 
So she says, in my experience, seeking the advice of trusted friends is particularly important for successful women who are prone to second-guess themselves and feel insecure about next steps, especially when it comes to retirement. Of course, these are ladies that are in the, in the workforce. The job has given them identity and independence, so they think they will go crazy without work, but almost all are surprised how much they love retirement, how quickly they fill up their time with meaningful projects. So she talks about one that uh, had uh, really some lifelong depression, left work and nothing to do. Her husband advised her to continue working instead. And I've had something happen like that before. Instead, she uh, got a group of professional women friends together and told her, do it now. You'll be glad you did it. So she found volunteer work with a political candidate she admired. She started speaking at schools about career choices. She started discussion groups at the local YWCA, helping others make the retirement decision that had been so hard for her. So she did a lot of things. I've, I've known of, of one particular I'm thinking of. This is some years ago where the husband wanted to retire early, but he wanted his wife to work. But the reason he wanted his wife to work because they need the health benefits and he didn't want her to retire, but he wanted to retire. So he was very selfish in how he was doing that. And I don't think that was that was right. But, um, and, I've, and I've known other situations like this, and we'll, we'll talk, have more time to talk about next week as we continue our conversation about are you mostly ready to retire and some of the things that you should think about in retirement and also have some, some other Roth IRA questions we've gotten over the years. I want to cover those as well. But of course, if you want to give me a call, 800-588-7526 is my number at the office. And be glad to speak with you to see if uh, we can help you personally with your tax planning, investments, and so forth. 800-588-7526 or send me an email to mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. Mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week for the next Talking Money. Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested.